0: We can offer you information on all your patients. So you know who has bad A1Cs, who's taking metformin, who missed their last appointment. And we can keep you up to date on these patients so that these patients don't get sick and end up in the ER. And what happens is it's a perfect marriage, right? They're saving more money because they're keeping the patients out of the hospital. The patients have better outcomes and we're reducing costs across the whole continuum.
1: Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast about the entrepreneurs and innovators shaping the future of health. I'm Logan Plaster. It's no secret that healthcare as an industry has lagged behind most other industries when it comes to tech adoption. We can search and buy plane tickets on our phones, get same-day deliveries of toothpaste with a click of a button, but medical records often still need to be faxed in paper form from one hospital to another. And what about all those paper bills being mailed out to my house? your response might be okay healthcare is a lot more complicated and data security is a bigger deal than it is in travel or retail however consider exhibit b digital personal finance today people deposit checks send money even invest in the stock market with a click on their phones in spite of the very sensitive nature of the data involved i say all of that because my guest on the show today troy bannister is bringing the best of finance tech to the healthcare industry. Troy is the CEO and co-founder of Particle Health, which Startup Health backed in 2018, and he's on a mission to kill the fax machine and make the essential exchange of health data as easy as using Venmo or Mint or Robinhood. They're doing this through a clever API approach that helps developers build new, exciting health apps, but I'll let him explain the details. Stick around. Welcome, Troy Bannister, CEO and co-founder of Particle Health. Great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Logan. So we have talked, you and I have talked a lot about Particle Health over the years. We've interviewed you multiple times, and I think I have a good understanding of of what you're building there, this this API forward way of uh, really connecting people to patient records. But it's a complex topic, so I think it's best to just start by giving you a chance to uh, set the stage and explain exactly what Particle Health is.
0: Yeah, so the best analogy is is one used often, but plaid for healthcare, right? And really what that means is as the networks and hospitals and practices and clinics around the United States start to open up sharing of data with new legislations and policies, somebody kind of has to act as the orchestrator on top of all that. Um, And what we're really focused on at Particle is simplifying the national networks that are evolving into one API and one contract. Um, And what we've been able to do is connect about 300 million people's medical records um, into a platform that standardizes the data to fire R4, which is kind of this new-ish standard of data that everybody's adopting. So what we can can offer um, new startups, medium-sized companies, and even large enterprise clients is a one-stop shop to pull anybody's medical record and share data back with all the EMRs in the United States.
1: Um, now I know that the plaid for health that was like the vision uh, early on, and that really captured a lot of people's imaginations. Um, how long has Particle Health been in existence now? About three and a half years. Three and a half years. Does do you feel like that analogy still works as powerfully as it did when
0: you first started? It does because it gives some it gives people something to to compare what we do to another technology that does something similar. There are obviously a ton of caveats there, right? Um, the general idea of one API solving for fragmentation and data standardization and security and privacy is, is true. What's different is healthcare is way different than finance. Um, so instead of using a username and login to get access to data, like through Plaid, because you have one bank that you log into all the time, we use patient matching. So all we need is somebody's name, date of birth, address, phone number, and gender. And we can take that and go find your records around the, around the United States, because people don't have one place they log into regularly to go get access to their medical data. So we solve for different problems, problems in healthcare using different technologies, which are often harder to, to solve for. Um, but the idea is we wanna make it as easy and as simple as Plaid has.
1: Got it. Let's talk about your journey as a startup. You said it's about three and a half years. You've seen a lot of growth. You've raised funds. Your team has grown. Give us a little a picture of that journey from kind of where you started <laughs> as an individual with an idea to kind of where you're at now, traction, you know, the funds raised, the team size, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So I guess, you know, two and a half, three years ago, I was in a coffee shop every day, um, paying for internet by means of lattes. Um, and in, just in Brooklyn, trying probably. to fill up in Brooklyn. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just trying to fill my calendar with meetings. Just like, can I get meetings on the calendar? was like my goal. What um, kinds of meetings? Well, back then it was really trying to validate this idea that what I was thinking about could even be possible. So I needed to talk to EMRs. I needed to talk to providers. I needed to talk to startups um, to be like, do you want this? And then on the other side, can I even do that? Yeah. Um, which took a year, right? It took me a year to figure out how to actually get to what we had as a first version of Particle. Um, I guess fast forward to today, you know, we're almost 40 people now. Wow. Um, I've hired a full leadership team, um, VP of sales, VP of customer success, VP of product, VP of engineering, um, operations, people. Um, I have the full leadership team now, which is amazing because now I can be CEO, right? Yeah. I don't have to wear five different hats. I can focus on one thing, um, which is just being the, the le- leader of the company. And, and that's been possible because you raised, uh, what was your big raise? Was it last year? Uh, it was 12 million led okay. by Menlo ventures. Okay. Um, it that, was possible because of the raise. Yes. But also because we actually are doing what we set out to do. Like we have a good number of paying customers now. It's proven that what we are doing works, um, and like, that's the proof that I think you need to attract really good talent. Absolutely.
1: Um, when you think about kind of turning the corner from an idea in a coffee shop to where you're at now with the you know, full executive team uh, and the backing, uh, is there an aspect of your pitch or the story um, that you really think was what opened the eyes of your, your investors and your partners?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that everybody wants in healthcare right and it's the same thing that happened in the finance space If we want to continue with this plaid analogy it's like bank of america had this like tool that you could use to send five bucks from your bank to five bucks to your friend's bank but nobody used it because it was built for the bank's purposes mm. not the consumers interesting but when plaid popped up somebody said let's build a version of this for consumers and that happened to be venmo and because they didn't venmo didn't have to work with the banks or the branches or anything, they could build something exclusively for the consumer, something simple and easy and awesome. And we really believe that that's about to happen in healthcare, if, if not already starting to happen, which is I don't have to go connect with hospitals. I don't have to go work with EMRs. I can just plug into Particle and build something for the consumer or build something for the patient. And that means you don't have to adhere to the payer's needs or wants. You don't have to adhere to the hospital's needs or wants. You can just focus on building the best product possible for the consumer or patient. Got it. Now, I think an important piece of this
1: is like when I think as a consumer about Plaid and how it allowed me to do personal banking through, let's say, Mint or Robinhood or whatever, I'm thinking as a consumer. But you're really uh, addressing the needs of, of developers and businesses and startups. Is that right?
0: Well, we are. But what we're enabling them to do is not worry about dealing with EMRs or payers or hospital systems. All they have to worry about is building something great for the consumer. And that's what we're enabling them to do. Got it. Yeah. So yeah. talk to me about
1: this sandbox idea. I know it's, it's all over your website, mm. how you really uh, address <laughs> the needs of developers through this this uh, sandbox.
0: Yeah, well, there's a huge problem, right? So these national networks are growing super fast. And it's going to be within the next 12 months, the only way people are connecting with healthcare data, because it's it's like, it's, it's all the health, health data sources in America are coming together and creating networks. And that's happening right now under our noses. Um, and that's what we leverage to get access to data. So we know it works really, really well. The problem is you can't, you can't just connect to a network and start building because it's real patient data. Right. So you have to have like a reason, a good reason why you're pulling that record. And that reason can't be, oh, I want to test it out. So... The gap right there is we need synthetic data that looks and feels exactly like the real data so I can build prototypes and then connect live to a network. Without that missing piece, you're you're stuck, right? You, you can't build something without knowing what the data looks like and how it flows and how the queries work. So we've built a synthetic sandbox, it just won an ONC competition um, nice. for best synthetic data that emulates network data. And we're the first sandbox to do that.
1: Interesting. So, yeah, we, yeah, we've heard. I mean, for years about you know de-identified data and the importance of of being able to query that and build your your en- you know your engine, your technology on top of that. But how new is this synthetic data concept?
0: It's pretty old. The problem is like it's been very generic. It's not like applicable to real world data in any sense. So like there's this group that everybody uses. It's an awesome group. It's open source. It's called Cynthia. And if you use Cynthia, you can basically give characteristics to a population of patients, and then it pops out data that, that replicates that. Okay. The problem is that data isn't apples to apples with like network data. It's just, it just can't be without, without actually leveraging network data to do that. So we've kind of taken those two things, Cynthia's synthetic data capabilities and the network characteristics of data, and we've married them together, and we made synthetic data that emulates the network's data. So
1: you're creating a, a platform that really powers innovation, powers startups, businesses, you know, the whole range. Do you think about specific tools that you think could be built upon this? Uh, oh, heck yeah. Yeah? Any, any examples?
0: <laughs> so like phase one was how do we even get access to this data? Like how do, how do we get critical mass? Like everybody's medical record through one API. And we figured that out in year one. Year two was how do we de- build a developer environment? On top of that, that's really simple and easy to use, one API, one contract, you know plug and play. And we figured that out in year two. Year three was, okay, we have the data, we have the on-ramp, but the data needs to be clean and standardized. So we went through the, the pains of converting all the network data to one standard Fire R4. So now we have one standard of data. Where we're now moving towards is creating these data products really extracting the data from the raw information and giving insights to our customers that they need to make important healthcare decisions. So we have all this information and now we have to kind of figure out where's the value in that information and serve that up on a silver platter. Got it, got
1: it. Um, Now, I understand you're going to be at uh, Vive in Miami coming up uh, and you're, you're highly involved in their interoperability sort of section, pavilion. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, so it's a Relatively small group of organizations that are in this interoperability pavilion, kind of demonstrating their different interop tools and and, and solutions. Um, we definitely put ourselves in the interoperability category. Um, one API, one contract, exchange data with any EMR in the United States. Basically, is the value prop. So um, that's kind of where we placed ourselves. Uh, sometimes when
1: people hear interoperability, they just think sort of health tech buzzword bingo. Uh, it is. <laughs> why is it, why is it so important uh, for just your average individual? Why is interoperability sort of the next uh, Holy grail?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it is the next Holy grail. It's been like the Holy grail for a long time, <laughs> right? Like everyone's been trying to figure this out for like 20 years. Got it. Um, what we see is like, there's three major trends happening in the healthcare space right now. Um, one is everybody's moving to value-based care. Mm-hmm. Fee-for-service is done um, and you can see you know, the evidence of successful value-based care or accountable care organizations um, proliferating. Like Oak Street Health is a great example, one of our customers that IPO'd and is growing ridiculously fast. Um, and so we know all these organizations are taking more risk and that can be an employer, a provider, whatever. Um, so that's, that's kind of trend one. Trend two is all these new digital health startups are popping up like crazy. And you're aware of this, like the money pouring into digital health right now is insane. And what that means is there's all these new ancillary services that are in support of managing patients. Mm -hmm. So these risk-bearing groups are using these new digital tools to manage the risk of their populations. So that's kind of theme number two. Um, Where this plays a part for us is these ancillary services are silos of information. They're relatively new, they're building their stacks. They don't wanna go build networks and connect to point solutions and and like go hospital to hospital to hospital doing integrations. They need a data source, an exchangeable data source to manage that population for that that risk-bearing group. So that's where we come in. We say, all right, you're managing a diabetes population on behalf of this employer, whatever. We can offer you information on all your patients so you know who has bad A1Cs, who's taking metformin, who missed their last appointment. And we can keep you up to date on these patients so that these patients don't get sick and end up in the ER. And what happens is it's a perfect marriage, right? They're saving more money because they're keeping the patients out of the hospital. The patients have better outcomes and we're reducing costs across the whole continuum. Um, and it's really easy. It's one API. So anyway, that was a long, <laughs> that was a long explanation um, of like where we're seeing these trends head right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, what are you most excited about? Sort of what you're going to be rolling out throughout the rest of the year? What should be people? What should mm. people be looking for?
0: So, Tefka just got announced officially, the final rule about two weeks ago. And TEFCA is the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement. Okay. And what it's doing is it's legalizing and solidifying all the national networks. It's mandating a national network across the U.S. Okay. Um, right what
1: now, right now, just to break it down for anybody who's not familiar, yeah. so uh, right now health data is being collected in regional exchanges, correct? So you're talking about bringing those regional exchanges um,
0: and bringing them under
1: a national umbrella with standardization,
0: correct? Okay. Correct. And there are some early national networks that have evolved that we participate with, and so it's there's like it's it's all kind of aggregating up, and that that top level is a government mandate called TEFCA. Okay. Um, what Tefka requires though is a bunch of new use cases. And one use case that we're particularly interested in is what's called individual access. Or really what it is is consumer right to, to share data through the network. Okay. So Logan could download an app and if that app connects to Particle, you could pull your own record into it and view it. Or you could say, I wanna share my record with this third party and you could just click a button and share it. And that's what we enable. Got it. And that's where things get really, really interesting, right? If you can have full control of your longitudinal medical record with a click of a button, um, now we're talking about some new innovative ideas that could be yeah. enabled. So that's happening this year, and we yeah. are pumped. I think you and I talked before about you know being able to allow maybe
1: an insurer to understand how healthy you've been and sort of lowering your rates. Just different ways in which the things I interact with, I might want to let someone know kind of how my lifestyle is uh, affecting my you know purchasing. <laughs>
0: I mean, like the, the thing, I think the most valuable ideas are not even considered yet. Okay. You know, like like Robinhood in the finance space was inconceivable mm. until Plaid popped up. And, you know, Robinhood allows you to buy like a percentage of a share of a stock. Yeah. And that's wild. So like, who knows what could be created on top of this? Okay. So, um,
1: so, so here's my question then. So if what really needs to happen next is sort of wild innovation and not necessarily just legacy players uh accessing more data and doing the same things with it so uh, how do these smaller let's just say like uh, sort of out of the box thinking startups how do they start working with these tools
0: um my two senses there's going to be people coming into healthcare from other industries okay. that see a pattern and they say i'm coming from finance I worked at a company that did XYZ. I think we can apply XYZ to healthcare. Mm. And my idea, my thought is that ideas will be intermixed between other or, or other industries.
1: Got it. Because um, there's going to be some replication taking place.
0: So like here's a great example. This is one of my favorite ones. Is Plaid. When Plaid popped up, there was this company that built this stupid app. And it basically was like anytime you're you get paid by your 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 employer, you got a little text with an emoji with like a dollar like a dollar sign and like a, you know, a celebration or something. And that was it. That was the entire thing. Mm. But like 20 million people used it. Mm. (laughs) Right. So like, who knows what could be built here? Notifications, um, sharing of information for so many different things.
1: I want to switch gears just for a minute and just talk about just leading a startup and your experience. Um, It's been a, big year to growing your team to you said 40 people or more and a full executive team uh, do you feel like right now you spend more of your time and focus thinking about product or people
0: um increasingly people okay just every day is more and more um what have the you,
1: good thing is i'm like yeah. sorry go ahead i was just gonna say what have you learned about that process
0: um what I've learned is, um, it's, it's all about who you surround yourself with. That is the key to this whole thing. Um, the people I've hired are multiple times better at what they do than I could ever be. Um, and that's a good thing. I don't need to be the product expert. Um, I need to set the vision and work with these people, you know, very intimately and collaborate and, and talk through problems. But, um, I am not the product expert and I'm totally okay with that, right? Like that's amazing that I have somebody that's so capable in yeah. place. I mean, you've been so, since you've been so immersed in
1: that hiring, the executive hiring world, any advice for a founder who's maybe a
0: step or two behind you in thinking about that process? It's so hard. Um it's truly like a muscle, right? Like quickly identifying who's a good candidate is is a hard thing to do. There's there's so many variables. I think the one thing I learned during this kind of process was um, spend a lot of time, and I mean weeks, um, talking about and codifying and creating rubrics on who you want. Hmm. Like the wording in that rubric is super important. Like Logan, you you and I know like the the healthcare mindset rubric has been evolved over like a decade at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But those kind of tools are wildly important for how you can make tough decisions on who you want to hire. Um, So spend weeks for really, really, you know, senior hires on these rubrics um, and get really, really comfortable with, you know, being able to fill that rubric out and and go off of data versus gut.
1: Yeah. What are some of the things you've done to really set and preserve the culture at Particle Health?
0: Hmm, That's a good question. Um, I say there's a few things. Um, We were pretty small when COVID hit, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe like, I don't know, seven or eight people. And at that time, culture sets itself very easily, right? It's just, culture is kind of defined as like how these eight people are interacting with each other and the behaviors, right? When you start to get to 30, 40 people, those gets wildly complicated. Mm. Um, So very early on, we kind of set these these principles in place. Um, One example is, um, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, We know that healthcare moves slow. We know that regulations move slow. We know that API companies um, have slow starts, but then go really, really fast. So, um, we want to set the precedent with everybody that do not overwork yourself because you will get burned out. Like Mm. this is a longevity game. Um, we've implemented a lot of things in place too around things like, you know, flexible Fridays and all sorts of stuff, because we recognize that this is a, uh, this is a marathon. And so that is intrinsic in our culture and how we interact with each other. Um, there's, we're pretty rigorous about how we set priorities and what a P one is and what a P two is. And, um, we want to make sure that we're kind of setting that that mindset across the whole team.
1: P one being sort of first priority and P two being yeah. second priority. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It, Thanks. Are, are you pulling uh, <laughs> uh, Are you pulling those frameworks from you know specific sort of uh, books or, or, or lines of thinking that you that you ascribe to?
0: The internet, mostly. <laughs> No, I mean, now that we have you all Google place,
1: how to yeah. manage a team of forty uh, awesome people and see what. What comes
0: is P one? What is P two? Yeah. Um, um, how, no, much, I mean, most, how much most? Startup, how much startup? How much startup jargon
1: can I fit into one sentence?
0: Oh yeah, we we actually did a blog post on startup jargon a while back.
1: You you are you are as familiar or more than than most people.
0: Yeah, it's super fun. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: what are some things that we might not know about your team and kind of how you have um set things up in terms of how you deal with you know big challenges uh, conflict within the team i know
0: this is it's got to be sort of front of mind as you hire big uh, positions um i don't know how to answer that question there's just too many things to say um i think we've gotten good at just being comfortable with problems mm.
1: um
0: in the early days it was like if a customer was like you know perhaps going to leave we were like fire drill, all hands on deck, you know, staying up late, thinking about it. Now you just have to realize that like you are on this path and these things will happen. And when they do happen, you try to solve them as best you can. And that's, that's it. That's the game. They will happen. Mm -hmm. Like we are on this path and I, there's probably a big problem coming down the pike in two weeks and it's already set in place and it's going to happen. So I might as well just meet it head on and everybody, as long as we're all kind of on the same page with that, I think it sets a good tone. It's awesome, Troy. Thanks
1: for taking the time with me today. Uh, I love hearing about your journey. I, I love that I've gotten to uh, interview you uh, basically once a year since you got, yeah. got started and see this vision come to fruition. Um, you know, it's evolved, it's grown, but it hasn't necessarily evolved. Uh, your I was actually listening to a video of a pitch of yours from a you know three years ago, uh, or maybe it was two and a half years ago and you know it's the same story and it's the same product and vision which is really exciting it's just gotten bigger and 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 i love that so troy thanks for taking the time with me thanks for keeping pushing on this vision and i love how it's going going to power and enable other innovators to build their products as well yeah i appreciate it thank you logan all right best of luck at vive in miami hope it's a great show for you Bye. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. Startup Health invests in health transformers from around the world who are committed to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 380 companies, go to startuphealth.com. If you'd like to learn how you can invest in our health moonshot impact fund in collaboration with AngelList, go to healthmoonshots.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back next week.